0: Hello and welcome to Farscape Friday, episode 52. Today we'll be discussing the eighth episode of season three, Green-Eyed Monster. I'm Kay here with my co-host Taz. Hey there. Let's get started. Welcome back. Here's a quick summary of Green-Eyed Monster. Talon, with the love triangle of John Aaron Crace, gets swallowed by a budong. As they try to get free, tensions rise with a jealous and controlling ship, a misunderstanding, and Crace having medical issues. Two tropes are active in this episode, comprising
1: of our A and B plots that run pretty much parallel to each other. On the plot level, we have Talon getting swallowed by a budong a la Jonah and the whale, which is referenced several times by John. And on the character level, we have a pair of love triangles with the obvious one of John, Aaron, and Krace, masking the more dangerous one of John, Aaron, and Talon. And this is an episode where I feel like
0: the premise of living ships really pays off in a big way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. Because to have this level of tension and this level of menace, you really have to go back to like 2001 Space Odyssey, where you have ships that are you know, still alive. But so Talon is alive in terms of he's actually alive versus mechanical, you know, artificial intelligence alive. And I think that Talon works on like a much more visceral level because the premise of AI is that they're alive, but also just they don't feel emotion. And you feel emotion really strongly in this episode from Talon.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's also the difference between Talon and Moya, right? Moya is an adult Leviathan. She's had a pilot. She's had a pilot, presumably for most of her adult life. And she's a gentle creature. And she is much more willing to go along with what pilot asks of her and what the crew asks of her. And then you have exceptions with her with also really great ship moments, which is her pregnancy and mm-hmm. her back in season one, uh, they've got a secret when she gets pregnant. And then later on with the flax and, you know, don't mess with the pregnant leviathan. And then, of course, going through birth. But that's a very different personality type than we have with Talon, who is aggressive. He's a gunship. He's scared a lot of the time. You have the peacekeeper shooting at him. You have Crace, who is basically his dad, who, you know, is a very militaristic mind. All these things that come together to have a, a much more aggressive ship. He wants to do what he wants to do more than anything else. Like we saw in The Ugly Truth last season, he fired on the Pl- plakovians you know, without provocation, or at least very minimal provocation. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't anything that Kreis can control, you know, yeah. just because he was scared. And he's got this very reactive, very emotional, very teenage kind of response to everything.
0: Yeah, I think teenage is like a really good way of putting it. But uh, this episode, I think is just so creepy. And honestly, after this episode, I did have a very hard time ever trusting Talon again. Like I think that this episode really colored how I saw Talon for the rest of the series, essentially. Mm -hmm. I mean, I kind of want to just get into the nitty gritty because the... There's just so much here, plot-wise. It's so straightforward that it leaves so much room for this to become, in a lot of ways, even more than most normal bottle episodes. You know, like most normal bottle episodes are kind of, they are very self-contained, but they they leave room for character stuff. You know, like in on Community, where their bottle episode was kind of, I mean, was real good, but it got real dark real fast. Yeah, and this is the same where it gets really dark really fast. There's no, you know, no don't pass go here.
1: Yeah, I really like that you brought up the fact that it's a creepy episode. And one of the things that they do with the director's choice is the cinematography of it is very much, you know, looking at distorted reflections in out the window or 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 things like that or looking through the hallway from surveillance camera angles and so you have this like observing feeling and it's like it is creepy it's it's meant to to take you to that space of people are doing different things we don't always know why they're doing what they're doing we only have the reactions to go off of and secrets are being kept and Mm -hmm. let's go ahead and jump in
0: yeah so the episode starts with John, he's working on something on paper, he's writing in his notebook, and this DRD is just raining sparks down on him. And he just keeps being like, you know, he keeps calling to Krace because he thinks that this is Krace doing it to him. And then he realizes that somebody has stolen his gun, somebody has stolen Winona.
1: And he next goes to Command, where Aaron and Krace are having a conversation about talent. And he can't get the door open right away, and this is the conversation that follows.
2: Hey, you want to mess with me? What seems to be the problem? Keeping the DRDs over my head, working twenty four seven, so I can't sleep. Repairs to Talon. All the doors locked. The shower ice cold, so I'm freezing the boys
3: off. Don, what are you It's about? not
2: really a problem, but you do not mess with my stuff. Where's Winona? What? Winona. We- no, His pulse
3: My gun. Well, maybe Rydal came. Rydell and and Stark have been on recon for more than a day. (laughs) Don't call me John.
2: Crichton, then. Are you accusing me of theft?
3: Talon, you've seen them both naked. Perhaps you can tell us who's bigger.
2: Talon. In addition to their current duties... Please have the D.I.D.'s keep an eye out for Mr. Crichton's pulse weapon. He seems to have mislaid it. Will there be anything else? Yeah. Hang a left before we hit that note.
0: Oh, the outrage. (laughs) Okay. I have the feeling, though, that when he's like, don't call me John, you can like, it's so funny because you can tell that it's like one of those things that you just say because you're mad that Mm -hmm. you don't really have any reason for and there's no real follow up to because like... His name is John. They're not, you know, it, this isn't like the CEO talking down to the janitor, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. But from a human perspective, it is a familiarity thing, right? You know, it's like you don't have permission to call me by my first name yet because there is distance between us. You are not that close or I do not like you enough to let you call me my first name. And that's what he's pulling.
0: Yeah. But it still is funny because I mean, he calls Crace like, well, I guess he does call him Crace. But then that's also because, you know, Crace has been in the military. That is kind of the same as calling him by his first name. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. don't know.
1: So it's kind of. <laughs> and the other thing I love is the passive aggressiveness of Crace when he's like, in addition to their all the duties that they already have, please have the DRDs take on this extra baggage to make sure that Mr. Crichton is
0: satisfied. Mm hmm. <laughs> Okay, I love Aaron being like, maybe you can tell us who is bigger. But at the same time, the answer to that question ends up being that Talon is bigger. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah, because Talon is the one who's, spoilers, messing with John's stuff. But it's causing all this tension. And we don't know that at this point what's going on in the background.
0: Yeah. What's interesting here is Aaron not taking sides. That feels interesting for this whole episode, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, she's coming into this working relationship with Crace. And this is, they've worked together like at the end of season two with Liar's Guns and Money when Crace was their backup, but they are now living on Talon, right? And so there's this, this extra layer of, okay, let's be professional, let's, Let's get the job done. I care about Talon. You care about Talon. We need to help him through this difficult period. And that's kind of what it feels like she's doing with Mm Krace is like burying the hatchet. We talked about trust last episode. And while she said she might not fully trust him, she does believe him when he's telling the truth to her. You know, she has she is trusting his word, even if she's not fully trusting his actions, though you could even argue that she is going ahead and trusting his actions at this
0: point. Mm-hmm. not to give Krace more credit than he's due, but he actually is really upfront with her because mm-hmm. he wants her to take the hand of friendship. He wants her to become a co-pilot with him because we find out that there's this bleed through between Talon and Crace, And so Krace has sores and lesions all over his body from Talon's tensions and from Talon's pain. And he actually very obviously tells Aaron this before asking her to be co-pilot.
1: Mm hmm. But the way it's framed in the episode is John kind of walks in, not seeing that he sees them close together. And this is actually a scene that happens a little bit later. Right?
0: Yeah, he sees them close together, but also they're both buttoning up their shirts, right. or their jackets. And actually, <laughs> we're doing this out of order. <laughs> Yeah, sorry we're doing this out of order, guys. But so to go back, the moon isn't actually a moon, which John quotes <laughs> because John is awesome and he's such a fanboy. And so they get swallowed by a budong, and then John is like, "Well, let's drop anchor," and they figure out that they are going to shoot torpedo torpedo lines into the bones of the budong mm-hmm. so that then they'll at least they'll at least stop going down. They'll at least stop going through the stomach tract. And so John and Aaron really quickly they work together really really well and they get that all set up, and then Stark and Rigel almost get eaten. That's important later, and then Aaron goes back up to the bridge to talk to Crace, and Crace engages privacy mode. Meanwhile, John also goes up to the bridge, and Talon refuses to let him in, and instead, air quotes Crace tells him to meet him in his quarters right so
1: John goes to Crace's quarters while Crace is telling Aaron about the bleedback issue with Talon which we as the audience don't know we're we're firmly in John's point of view for this and so as part of that we see what John sees which is a chip lying on the table just innocently there and what does John do he plays it And what does he see? He sees a romantic encounter between Aaron and Krace, which actually begins with her saying to Krace, tell me what you want. I will do anything, anything for you. And that was a clip that we saw in Liars, Guns, and Money when Aaron is asking for Krace's help with the Shadow Depository robbery and getting John Crichton back from the clutches of Scorpius. So that clip is merged with one of Crace having sex with somebody and the camera turns and it looks like it's Aaron. So John is devastated.
0: Okay. I have so many questions here. (laughs) Number one, did Crace actually have sex on Talon with somebody not Aaron, obviously?
1: I could maybe see that. Like he's been on Talon by himself for a year. And maybe he went to a planet. I mean, he and Talon have been having adventures, right? Yeah. And maybe he went to a planet. And it doesn't necessarily have to be on Talon, right? I couldn't tell from the framing. Was it, if it
0: took place on Talon? I think and... it was supposed to be on Talon. They definitely used Talon's set.
1: Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah. So, I could see, see Kreis bringing someone home for a night, you know. It's not like he doesn't have money either.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Did he make any money off the Shadow Depository? Probably not a whole lot, but there's probably something. So, yeah, John now thinks that Aaron and Crace have slept together. So when he walks in on them, because now Talon lets him in to command, (laughs) as Crace is buttoning up his jacket and Aaron is also buttoning up hers, and they are clearly very secretive because they've just had this secret meeting, and John is like very suspicious
1: right and the tone was they're talking through what to do next because they have they've weighed the anchor and now they've got to figure out okay how do we actually get out of this budong do we try to go through its digestive tract and that's kind of the conversation they're having on the surface but underneath that there is just this this all these looks at each other and you know john is suspicious of them and at the same time Aaron and Crace are playing like they're friends now. So it's this the undercurrents of these conversations are really interesting to watch. And they're not so much in their voices as they are in just the physical dynamics of the three of them on the command. Mm-hmm. And that's when we learn that Crace has also asked Aaron to take the Hand of Friendship, which is the neural interface with Talon.
0: Still a creepy name. Still a very the- creepy
1: name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... And she has accepted. She is going to go through with this. So the next clip is the aftermath of that. So she and John are in the corridor.
3: John, wait. Aaron, you do not want me there. I, I do want you there. Why, to throw rice? Forget about it. I've seen my
2: share of hardware insertion. I'm not watching.
3: It's been modified.
2: Yeah, I heard that.
3: Less invasive. It's, it's safer. Yes, it's new. It's improved. It's the finger of friendship. 1995. But wait, kids, there's more. What's the matter with you? This is the right thing to do. For who? For all of us. He needs my help to control Talon to get us out. Aaron,
2: do what you have to do. I will. Fine, but do not sugarcoat it for me. Right thing to do, my
3: ass. And what's that supposed to mean? It means that you do
2: things the way you want to, when you want to, with who. You want to do that. It's got nothing
3: to do with what I want. It's always about what you want. So
2: yes, walk back in there and let Chris stick a spike in the back of your neck. Listen it's a to great me. new universe, Aaron. You and Chris, you could finally rejoin that peacekeeper family you've been pining for from the moment we met. You have got this, sir. Just don't pretend to me that it wasn't what you always wanted.
3: You finished? You're right. No one knew that.
1: John, way to be harsh, man.
0: Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, this fight feels kind of like one of those kitchen sink fights, you know, where a small thing becomes a big thing. And then all of a sudden, you're just kind of throwing every single thing at each other just to like hurt each mm-hmm. other, at least on John's end. Cause Aaron is incredibly patient throughout this whole fight, you know?
1: Yeah. I think she's confused too, because, you know, it's not just the kitchen sink, but it's also, they're fighting about the hand of friendship, but that's not actually what they're fighting about on John's half. Mm-hmm. John is actually fighting about the fact that she is getting closer to Grace, except he can't say that because he and Aaron aren't anything to each other officially. And he is still incredibly hurt by the fact that she seems to be getting closer to Crace. He has just seen this tape where they had sex together. And so they're actually fighting about two different things. And Aaron, mm-hmm. meanwhile, thinks it's still about the hand of friendship because it's not, you know, with Crace, it's not it's not safe. But with her, it's going to be safer because it's modified. And so, so she doesn't really know what's going on. You know, Mm -hmm. there's there's two conversations happening instead.
0: Yeah, it is two different conversations. This is one of those moments where I don't know that if John had brought up like I saw that you two had sex, if it actually would have made any difference. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. in fact, I think that him not bringing it up actually is a little bit more self-controlled of him because it would have made it worse. You know, like, yeah, he's lashing out about this hand of friendship thing but it would have perhaps wrecked their chance at any future happiness, you know?
1: Yeah, because if he does bring it up, then she's like, what are you making stuff up for about? Then she gets angry and stops listening. And, you know, instead of kind of ending on being about her and her choices, which it does, now that I've said that, Mm -hmm. I kind of talked myself into the point. But I don't know, it changes the dynamic of the fight a lot. Yeah. Before we move on, I do want to ask you what you think about John's explanation of, you know, Aaron, you always do what you think is right. You always make a choice for you. Because I don't think Aaron sees it that way.
0: No. No, I mean, and I think that it's not, that's not particularly fair. Because I think that both of them always make choices. Like we have so many call outs where she's like, since, since when do you make decisions for me kind of thing? One of the wonderful things about their relationship is that they're constantly they're constantly checking in and they're making smart decisions for each other. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like these are not selfish characters. These are characters that when somebody had to push the button and die, they were literally fighting over who had to make the decision to die for other people. Do you know what I mean? I think that kind of what he's getting at there is the fact that they aren't in a relationship yet. Do you know what I mean? Like she made the choice in Sons and Lovers that they weren't going to be in a relationship and she made that choice for her the same as at the beginning dime dichotomy no i'm sorry not dime dichotomy at the beginning of the season in season of death she made the choice again that that they weren't going to be in a relationship and in a lot of ways she was making that choice for herself do mm-hmm. you know what i mean she was making that choice to protect herself and i think that he's kind of conflating here her desire to not be hurt emotionally, which is a sort of pain that she's not equipped to deal with, with her wanting to do this thing for Grace or wanting to do this thing for Talon, really. Mm-hmm. And mixed in with that
1: is she won't be intimate with John because she has all these hesitations about being in a relationship, but in his view, she doesn't have a problem going ahead and sleeping with Crace. You know, yeah, and that's what really bugs him.
0: Yeah. Well, not only that, but she won't be emotionally intimate with John, but she's a hundred percent okay. Essentially, marrying is what he calls it, like mm. marrying right. Grace with
1: the right throwing the rice comment. Yeah.
0: He sees it as then Talon will be in your head, but then that also means Grace will be in her head, or at least you know there's it's unclear how much he understands of what the neural link is going to look like. But she's essentially allowing this enemy to be in her head in a way that John can't be.
1: And the way that she's not allowing John to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's a really, really great point. And it's kind of like the crux of the conflict between the two of them for this episode.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: What ends up happening is Stark and Rigel get on the phone with the three of them and It's pretty amazing because the way it happens is Stark flips out when he sees a budong because he says that budongs see electromagnetic, um, any electromagnetic energy as like candy. And so he immediately shuts off the ship and he won't let Rigel, you know, message out because he's, they're afraid of the peacekeeper force that's looking for them. So they're sitting dead in space. And then Rigel vomits all over Stark, and it's amazing.
1: (laughs) Well, Stark has tied Rigel up, and so Rigel gets him to come closer, vomits on him, and then says, I love that trick. (laughs)
0: Yeah, because now Stark is out of the room and Rigel can slip his ropes.
1: Yeah, because Stark goes to wash it off. But it gives Stark a brilliant idea, right?
0: Well, later. Later? Much later? Okay.
1: Well, we'll get back to that later then.
0: But it does allow Rigel to calm the rest of them. And so now they have each other on the horn and they realize that, yes, Talon is inside the budong. Stark starts freaking out at this
1: point. And his panic, and I'm going to presume that his panic is because of... Him being a Stekira who can, you know, knows a little bit more about what happens to dead people than other people, mm-hmm. he starts freaking out about them being in the budong and saying, "You're dead, you're dead, you're dead," and that's when Rigel pulls out the, the communications transceiver or something. He basically pulls the plug on it so that they can't hear him, but the damage is already done because Talon is now freaking out about yeah. being inside the budong, and he wants out. He doesn't want to be tethered to it. its esophagus or wherever they're stuck inside its body anymore. He wants the tethers to be de- de- detached, and he wants to try and fly free on his own.
0: Yeah, because initially, remember, they had had the idea of they were going to just go through the budong's intestinal tract. They were just going to pass through like a bad penny. But then Stark, who actually had spent time on a budong mine when he was enslaved... He knows like a lot more about budongs. And I think probably being on that budong mine, I would imagine he had touched people that had been killed by the budong. Because initially when Rigel is like, how do you know? I've never heard that about budongs that they like electromagnetic, you know, stuff. And Stark was like, that's because everybody that knows that is dead. (laughs) And so, you know, Stark is like, well, you can't pass through the digestive tract because the stomach burns at you know, essentially like super hot, like, you know, middle of the sun, supernova hot. And so Talon is freaking out. And Chris says, okay, Aaron, you need to stand near the manual overrides for the, for the releases. And, you know, Grace was trying to t- calm ne- er, Talon down. Meanwhile, John realizes something is wrong. And actually I'm going to go back a tiny bit because at this point, Aaron has the control in her neck and, she so she's taken the hand of friendship and john essentially immediately after they have this fight realizes what an idiot he was being and realizes that they are not in a relationship so kind of holding Aaron to relationship standards when you're not in a relationship isn't super fair to her so he immediately runs back to the door to command to try and to try and apologize and to be there for her as she's taking the hand of friendship but Talon won't let him in. The door is barred. The door is barred, you know, because Talon, again, is the green-eyed monster in this episode. Well,
1: he's got his mom and his dad in the same room, back to, about to get back together, mm-hmm. you know? So, Krace is training Aaron and teaching her how to go through the ship's systems, open doors, closed doors. She's picking up really quickly. Krace is really proud of her for picking up very quickly quickly and that's when we have Stark and Rigel get on the get on the communications. Yeah. And after that, like, is it does Krace fall down here?
0: Yeah, Krace actually collapses. He starts screaming and clawing at the back of his neck yeah. after Talon is freaking out. So then John runs in because remember John wasn't there because Talon had barred him from being there. He runs in, he's like, what can I do? Aaron looks around and she's about to tell him something to do. And then she's like, Where is Crace? Krace has gone away. Yeah, Crace is gone. And so she finds Crace. He is at the airlock where they have the manual overrides for the hatch for the, for the lines that are attaching them to the boudong. And she sends John to go get Crace. And she's like, he's releasing them. So John freaks out, gets his gun or gets her gun. Because mm-hmm. again, he somebody has Winona. She, he takes Aaron's gun, runs down and finds Crace. I want to play their confrontation.
2: Get your fat, hairy ass away from the mooring controls. I see you found a weapon. What do you intend to do with it? Shoot me? That's one option? Of course it is. We've come full circle, John Crichton. Now you want to kill me. And then don't make my day. Step away, Step from, away from the panel. I can't. won't let me. He doesn't believe the Bannock. He wants to fly free. You'll have to shoot me. You see, Grace, I don't have to kill you. I wish you had ten...
1: ah! Ah! And this is the first time that John sees when Grace starts screaming and pulls out his shirt, the lesions and all the damage that has been done to his torso from the 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 bleed back that's coming back from Talon now this is this is one of those really kind of creepy moments because you have Talon taking over for Kreis and making him do what Talon wants
0: to do and not what Crace wants to do mm-hmm. it is a real inverse of the relationship that we thought they had because I think in a lot of ways we've seen since the end of season one that Crace is the one that has control you mm-hmm. know Grace is the one with power in this relationship. And it really it goes back to that whole thing we said where Talon is a kid, Grace is an adult. And that makes their power dynamic really, really unlevel. And so I think that here we see Talon having more power than Grace in a really creepy way. Yeah, well, it's like, as we said, he's a, a teenager asserting his
1: independence and trying to do what he wants to do using Krace
0: as a tool to that end, you know? Mm -hmm. It's interesting here that Krace wants to die because we talked way back how Krace is the one that, that really spearheaded the pilotless Leviathans, the, you know, warship Leviathans. And so now he's got what he wants. He's on his warship. And it turns out that there are side effects, which they probably would have realized if they'd continued experimenting, you know?
1: Right. And the side effect is really painful. I mean, if you think about it, it's like, you know, a neural connection is is normal, but you still have a ship with electrical imp- control over your body. And mm-hmm. he is forcing Grace to do what he wants and then punishing him. It's not clear whether it's an, like an intentional punishment or if it's just a conflict between Talon's will and Crace's will that is causing the the problem. But mm-hmm. either way, when they are not in sync, that's when the problems arise. And it does matter what Talon thinks, as opposed to just being under Crace's control or under the Peacekeeper's control, right? Yeah. So it's it's not like he is going to be completely biddable with this neural link. Mm-hmm.
0: So the relationship between pilots and and leviathans is that it's really symbiotic pilots are actually getting all their nutrients from leviathans and at the same time they're helping leviathans with day-to-day functions like it's not super clear if leviathans themselves can use drds without pilots Mm -hmm. so there's like there it really is symbiotic where they're both helping each other but this relationship between talon and crace has always been unequal because talon doesn't need a pilot and he gets instead a commander which is somebody that Yeah, helps the ship function, but clearly not in the same way that pilot helps Moya function. You know what I mean? Like, Crace essentially just tells Talon what to do. And then the the assumption is that there would be a crew rather than DRDs, like on a normal Leviathan, to actually help with other day-to-day functions. And I don't know. So it does really, it kind of really highlights that you don't necessarily mess with nature unless you know what the side effects are going to be.
1: Yeah, it's like a hippo instead of having a happy little bird helping him out or a crocodile. You have a a writer coming along who wants to be in control all the time.
0: Yeah, you know, the thing about like hippos is that they're incredibly dangerous. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And I think that that's what we're getting from Talon is that not only is he emotionally unstable to the point where Grace sometimes can't control him, but he also has side effects on Krace that were mm-hmm. unintentional. So he's dangerous not just to other people, but also to Krace.
1: Yeah. To the point where Grace wants to not be alive anymore. You know, he wants that kind of pain to end. Mm-hmm. And we kind of get into that in the next clip. So Krace has passed out and is now back in his quarters and he he's awake now and then you have john come in and it's this is another interesting power dynamic that i want to set up right here because crace has no shirt on he's under the blankets he's at a in a position of weakness and vulnerability because he's just basically had his belly shown to to john crichton who he whom he does not trust with that he trusted aaron but he does does not trust john with it and John comes in, he still has Aaron's gun, and he turns the chair around, and it's like interrogation time for him, and he calls it a Q&A. But it's set up in the classic, like, the, the bad cop comes in and is, and is going to get the answers now.
2: You and I are going to have a little Q&A. Put that weapon away. No, you may be right. I might want to kill you. I'll ask your questions. You and Talon, what the hell is going on? cybernetic bleed back. My sores and lesions are physical symptoms. You want to expand on that? Talon did that. In times of stress, our emotions, our desires can merge. And Talon can gain a degree of control over me. Resistance causes pain. Clarification. Talon controls you. Grace. you just set up Aaron for the same problems you're having. No, her transponder is limited. She will not be harmed by Talon. You cockroach. The choice was Aaron's. Are we finished? No. I keep hearing that you've changed i think weather changes and we just keep making the same mistakes.
0: i didn't notice that he actually says we keep making the same mistakes mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know i think that saying that Crace hasn't changed actually is a little bit unfair to Crace.
1: yeah i think he has changed considerably since especially season 1 where he was so tunnel vision on killing john and getting revenge for his brother he has let that revenge go and he now has a different reason for for moving on and being being partners with talon as he moves through the universe mhm and one thing i wanted to note that we didn't point out last episode i don't think if we did sorry for the repeat but when stark is aboard talon at the beginning and John comes aboard, black shirted. John comes aboard. One of the first things they says is like, "Can we disconnect Crace from Talon?" And Stark is like, "I already tried that. It doesn't work." And so mm-hmm. both Stark and John have already tried the "let's get Crace out of the equation and just take Talon back" kind of mode. And I think that mentality is, is what's still here for John where he's like, weather changes, which means weather can be good one day, bad the next. You don't know what it's going to be. He sees all the changes that Krase has gone through as superficial, as opposed to anything deep and meaningful, like, you know, climate mm. change. So there hasn't been that that whole, that whole shift that has happened with Crace from John's point of view.
0: Yeah, that's interesting about the kind of weather being good one day and bad the next, which makes you wonder... Does, does John just see Kreese as constantly bad, but just manipulating around him to survive? I mean, I guess he does call him a cockroach, you know?
1: Yeah, but I think he does because he acts good to get Aaron on his side. He plays nice with them in order to gain aaron's trust mm-hmm. and i think that's where it's coming down to because john as we hear in this clip also is very concerned about aaron he is worried that the cybernetic bleedback this merging of emotions is and then the the lesions and whatnot are going to happen to aaron too and that's something he does not want mm-hmm
0: yeah And I guess the other thing I'm unclear on is, is this sort of thing that Pilot also feels? Or is Pilot and Moya's relationship different? Like, is their connection different? Because Pilot knows Moya's emotions, but this is different than knowing somebody's emotions. This is them pushing their emotions on you.
1: Yeah, but I think the difference is also Pilot and Moya have a symbiotic relationship that evolved,
0: Mm. right?
1: And it was not built. And so it came into a to place in a way that probably has some protections for both of them against this kind of damage because if there was that kind of damage pilots and leviathans probably wouldn't have those ones probably would not have survived and then their genes don't get passed on classic evolution right Mm -hmm. whereas with talon like they they just genetically engineered him and they didn't think about these consequences that of not doing it through a natural process Mm -hmm. so yeah i think that's the difference
0: they leave Crace because he's helpless, and the three, the two of them go and try and fix things on Talon. And then Aaron comes up and approaches John. And they have another conversation that really is a follow-up to their first conversation about taking the hand of friendship.
3: What's your problem? Shouldn't you be with Crace? He's sleeping. Answer the question. Aaron, I am doing everything I can to get us out of this absurdly large space monster. I'm doing the good little soldier bit. What else do you want from me? I want you to stop acting like a granite. You know what? I have no idea what a granite is. No, don't play dumb with me. That hasn't worked for over two cycles, John. Aaron, I am dumb. I don't understand you half the time and I have no idea what a drannit is. Fine. Forget the drannit. Fine! Screw the drannit! What? You really have no idea
0: what a trend is, do you? What's a <laughs> I love this. I love it on so many levels. It really does reveal that John, although he is so much further along than Jewel, really is also still in the same boat. Stranger in a strange land. Yeah, he's figured out how to make the shower work now, but that doesn't mean that he knows every single animal. <laughs> Or species. <laughs>
1: I love the way that conversation the tone shifts of it so Aaron knows there's something else going on under the surface with John and that's what she's asking about she's like all right what's really going on here and then it kind of shifts immediately when he is clueless about drannets which I think we still remain clueless about we never actually find out what they are <laughs> and I think there's been a lot of discussion about that and it shifts to this, like, realizing that, no, he's not playing dumb. He's not avoiding. He really doesn't know what it is. And it kind of just derails the conversation. I don't know. At the end of it, I feel like Erin's little smile when she realizes and she says, you really don't know what a granite is. And I think it's because he says, screw the granite, So I think drannets have something to do with screwing. <laughs> you know, it's like that, like, she's charmed by him despite herself, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, She still likes him. She's still, you know, even though they're having this conflict right now, even though they're fighting, he is still her John that she still likes. Mm -hmm.
0: And actually, I want to tag this because also I forgot to mention it last episode, and thanks for sharing, but there's a moment where somebody hands John this like tube, it's like this (laughs) black tube, and he's like what is is this like a proposition like what is this and shiana has to show him it's a phone and so i think these past two episodes really have remembered that john is hasn't been born in the uncharted territories he doesn't know everything that's going on even though he has you know he's a real quick learner but you know he can't know everything until somebody shows him it
1: Mm -hmm. and erin kind of references that she's like don't play dumb yeah, that hasn't worked for two cycles, you know. She knows that he's competent. He knows that he she knows that he can handle himself. But there're still gaps in his knowledge, and there's nothing you can do about that.
0: Mm-hmm. But what's interesting, I don't know, I kind of read that from the opposite where she was like don't play dumb because she knows he's not dumb. You know, essentially since episode 1, she has known mm-hmm. he's not dumb. But at the same time, he's kind of getting at okay, yeah, I'm not dumb, but I don't understand a lot of things. You know, like, mm-hmm. he, there still is, you know, it, it's like whenever you're dropped in a new culture. I mean, on earth, I mean, there's there's essentially no equivalent on earth. But, you know, if you've ever gone to live in a foreign country without speaking the language, you know, then or speaking minimal, then you're like, okay, I can get by but anytime somebody references like a colloquialism or just a word you've never heard before, you're going to be at a loss, you know? Yeah.
1: I mean, I think that's actually a really good analogy because there are so many varied cultures and there's so many things that you don't even think about as mm-hmm. being something that suddenly you're blindsided by, you know, and it's it's nothing in your frame of reference prepared you for it. And that's kind of the same thing. Like that can happen in foreign countries, too, I feel
0: yeah well I mean you and I have both lived in foreign countries so I think that you know we're both <laughs> kind of coming at it from the perspective of like oh yeah that's like that is a big deal you know yeah um, so <laughs> the interruption that at the very end was stark had stolen the communications chip back from Rigel who obviously Rigel wants to cut and run so Rigel's okay, like... okay wait
1: <laughs> can we go back to how he stole the communications chip back from Rigel <laughs> oh my god
0: they're like my favorite buddy cops I love oh.
1: That. Yeah, we didn't pull this one because it's so physical, but Rigel, in order to keep it away from Stark, who is obviously bigger than he is because he's not a puppet, eats it. And then Stark screams and then shoves his arm (laughs) down Rigel's throat to grab it before it hits his stomachs. And it is like disgusting and kind of like, oh, Stark go
0: <laughs> right i just love Stark's scream like it's a scream of rage and frustration it's amazing and then it he really does like shove his whole arm down Rigel's throat it's great yeah so he's stolen it back and he interrupts them to be like oh hey let's make the budong vomit and so now they have the new plan where they're going to make the budong swallow a whole bunch of ice from the planet's rings and then they're going to light the ice on fire with the fuel from talon and because the ice and the fuel interact badly yeah to create an explosion with, with an ignition source and so that means though that one of them has to go outside the ship because the the kind of docking Harpoons. things yeah the torpedo things they actually are real torpedoes as well so they will explode but aaron had disabled the explosions so. Yeah.
1: So John is the lucky one because he doesn't have a hand of friendship. He is not a friend of Talon. He's the one who gets nominated to go out along the line of the tether to the warhead, which is the basically the, where the harpoon part of this contraption is. And set the warhead on a timer and then get back to the ship. That's the plan. And since John is not a friend of Talon, things, as you can guess, go horribly wrong. Talon blocks the communications between John and Aaron, so they can't talk to each other, they can't coordinate. And meanwhile, Stark and Rigel are getting the attention of the Budong to make it swallow ice. And actually, let's take a little small breather and play that because we'll get some of Stark and Rigel's comedy golden.
3: Dark, we're waiting on you. Yes! Oh.
2: Electromagnetic candy. You flew across its eye. I had to be sure it would follow. Well, it is, and it's gaining. This pod could never outrun a budong. Mm. We just want it to eat because we're candy candy you have killed us all you drank us mother always said i'd die from incompetence i finally know what she meant that's why we keep people like you chained in the first place your entire way ha- shut up No, we're
0: candy <laughs> i just love how stark is like candy how he's saying that so far so and I just
1: love Rigel being like, I'm going to die from incompetence, just like my
0: mother said. <laughs> okay, which also has so many questions. Because remember in season one, when we learned that his mother had chosen him out of all of his brothers? Like, he had older brothers that were, yeah. he was chosen over them because he was the prettiest, air quotes. And I'm like, what? So maybe he actually was just the prettiest. Because, <laughs> like, his mom clearly thought he was an idiot. <laughs>
1: oh man so yeah that's that's stark and then the electromagnetic magnetic candy the way he says it i just like that a lot too that's oh, so good yeah so so they are basically being bait for the budong so that the budong will swallow all the ice and the rings around the planet they're at and Talon is blocking communications between John and Aaron, so they can't talk to
0: each other. And then Aaron looks through Talon, and she realizes that Talon has spaced John, or Talon is showing her that he has spaced John. Even I think th- at this point that actually is the real deal. Well, no, but he never actually spaces John. He always just locks John out of the ship.
1: Yeah, but, but when it starts out, it's when John releases the tether, he set the warhead on a timer, and he's coming back. He, he he can't quite get the rope, and that's what where where the first time that Aaron sees Talon shows the empty airlock.
0: Yeah, but I think that Talon has always had the airlock doors just closed against John. Do you know what I mean? Didn't they close on him? Oh, okay, you're right you're, right. you're right, you're right. Closed on him.
1: Okay, you're right. So that's why I think that was just the just the, the first time, the that first initial, yeah. Well, he was still too far away. So actually, let's play that next little bit, because this is where we start to see everybody realizing what is actually going on. So throughout this episode of the podcast, we've been talking about Talon doing this, Talon doing that, but the characters haven't known this yet. Mm-hmm. Aaron had knocked Talon out temporarily to relieve the pressure on Krace when Krace was being controlled by Talon. So he, they thought he was asleep. But now Kreis realizes that Talon has been awake, and now that the situation with John has developed, they're all realizing what's going on. I never thought...
2: I tried to warn. Talon never trusted Crichton.
3: What are you talking about?
2: Crichton's not a peacekeeper. He's not a sebation. So? So he finds him offensive. He sees him as a threat. To whom? You. He wants to protect you.
3: John is only dangerous to himself.
2: I tried to persuade Talon that he was wrong about Crichton.
3: Well, then persuade him now to go back and get him.
2: He cannot be coerced. He will do as he wants. I can do nothing.
3: Don't you lie to me, Crace. This is not about what Talon wants. You have taught him everything he knows. This is about you, me, and John.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that she actually is getting at something there, though, because even though Talon has taken the information that Crace fed him... And turned it into kind of this warped, you know, paranoia. I, I, I think that Chris is the origin of Talon's dislike for John. Yeah,
1: I agree with you there because he's had Talon since he was an infant, they've been joined neurally like their brains have been linked neurally and so that's got to leave an impression especially with the revelations of this episode where they do share emotions they do share those things when they're under stress and they've been under a lot of stress
0: Mm -hmm. this reveal is so good like the first time you watch it it's like so good you know Mm -hmm. because you already as a viewer you already realized that there was something weird going on just because Of that moment when air quotes Crace told John to go to his quarters and you realized that it was a recording from Crace and Aaron talking earlier. Right. And so you kind of knew there was something skeevy going on, but kind of the revelation that it was all Talon is it kind of doubles the impact, I think, of how creepy this episode is.
1: Mm-hmm. Talon has, in a way, become an extension of Crace's views on the world and the universe. Yeah. You know, seeing Aaron's reaction to it all is is just, like, incredible, though. Uh, I don't know. I just love it, because almost immediately afterwards, she uses her hand of friendship ability to see down the corridors and see john who is still not there and meanwhile john has gotten to the doors to close on him he's still stuck outside and he's put together the pieces that talon is the one who's been messing with him talon's the one that's locked him out mm-hmm. but what aaron sees is that john is not there and that he has disappeared and that's when she starts to think okay something else is going on here and if talon is the one behaving this way then maybe talon's not showing her everything and she says like peacekeeper lies when Talon eventually does show her that John is stuck outside of the ship Mm -hmm. and I think that's a very a very damning statement from Aaron you know
0: yeah her relationship with peacekeepers has really developed and it's now at the point where her feelings about peacekeepers I think are pretty clearly that peacekeepers can be a force for good and their intention was to be a force for good but the reality is that they are not good
1: not always good Yeah. yeah
0: not always good and so her damning Talon by essentially calling him a peacekeeper, it, I think it really it really is painful because, you know, she loves him like an aunt. She loves him like, you know, she she wanted to be his co-pilot, you know?
1: hmm Yeah. So Aaron, who you can see on her face, and just Claudia Black knocks it out of the park here, she runs down the corridor to try to get to John to try and get him back inside the ship. And it's one of the most moving things because... We've seen Aaron need to go rescue John before, but the raw emotion that Claudia Black brings to this instance of it, where it's so immediate, they have zero time. <laughs> Stark and Rigel are about to get eaten by the Boudon and be in the same situation. They need to leak the cesium fuel, it's going to cause an explosion, and they don't want to be caught in that explosion if with John outside of the ship because he's going to die. And there's this time pressure Mm -hmm. and Talon won't open the door for her and he won't open the door for her. And so then Aaron finally goes and says, hey, Talon, I need you to listen to me. And the way she tells him this thing is by using the neural link, the Mm -hmm. hand of friendship. So I'm going to play that right now. Talon,
3: I want you to share something with me before he dies. You can taste something that is denied to peacekeepers, something that you will never know.
1: that sound at the end is Aaron removing the hand of friendship from her neck. Mm-hmm. She has detached herself from Talon and Krace, who is protesting in the background there.
0: You know, I think this is actually interesting to me. So Krace sees himself as different from the Peacekeepers because he had parents, right? And he had his mm-hmm. brother. But even like his whole relationship with his brother, I don't know, it is arguable that a lot of it was built on pride and that it wasn't like love pure love. Do you know what I mean? Like there was like a lot of other stuff for Crace wrapped up in his brother's death. But I think that Aaron thinks that she is different from the Peacekeepers because of love, like a romantic love. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I think that this is kind of what it gets at when she, because I'm sure that Crace has talked to Talon before about his parents and how different he is from the Peacekeepers because he had loving parents that taught him morals. Oh. Crazy. but so um but then here aaron is showing talon through the neural link what she thinks makes her different which is that which is her love and her need for john
1: Mm i don't know yeah well i think it's the difference between aaron having a crew to grow with Mm -hmm. and grow apart with and go through relationships with not only john but dargo and shiana and zan and pilot and moya And having a much richer emotional garden to grow in. Mm -hmm. Whereas Crace, when he left the Peacekeepers, he was just with Talon out by himself. And maybe the occasional hooker that he brought on board to sleep with. So I love how we're assuming
0: that it's like a prostitute.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, Crace. I I don't have that much faith in you. So Crace has changed, yes. But he hasn't gone through the same range of change that I think Aaron has gone through Mm -hmm. because he has not had the opportunity to be exposed to these wider range of relationships and circumstances that the Boya crew has brought to Aaron. Yeah. Now granted we don't see Crais's side of the story, but the fact that he remains alone, that he keeps coming back to the moya crew to help them out, to deal with Talon, all these things, I think that points to Crais having a very lonely existence and what he wants, his companion goals are for Aaron to join them. Yeah. And at first platonically, but then yeah, romantically, I think he definitely has a boner for her. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for...
0: That's a little crude, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so um, so Talon opens the door. John just gets barely inside. And he and Aaron embrace, just as the budong vomits up everybody. Cut to the end where Aaron is essentially telling Chris like I don't want the friend to hand a friendship back I don't think it's good for anybody involved I'll continue to stay on talent but I'm not going to be pilot
1: one interesting thing about that conversation is is she frames it again as her choice and what's right for her and I think that's been a theme kind of throughout this episode of Aaron making choices right for her Mm -hmm. because that's what John throws back in her face at the beginning of with their first fight where he's like yeah you're making choices it's all about you and what you need, and here she is doing that again. But I think it's more cognizant of why she's making the choices she's making. Yeah, does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. That like this time she's at least framing it accurately as a choice that she's making for herself. Which I mean, arguably everybody makes choices for themselves. Like even when you're making a selfless choice, like Zan's choice to um to save the crew. In self-inflicted wounds was also a choice for herself that you mm-hmm. know she that she couldn't sur- she couldn't live knowing that she'd let somebody else die saving her Does that, or I don't know like kind of yeah. especially when she was so close to death herself I don't know
1: yeah and Zan needing to control her own death in a way
0: yeah so I want to take a listen to kind of how John and Aaron end the episode have
3: you seen this Yeah. When did you see it? Aaron,
2: I'm not your boyfriend, I'm not your husband, I'm not your anything. You can do what you want.
3: It's not real. You know that, don't you? The, um, the last part, Talon, altered the image. I never recreated with Crease. that it should matter. It does. It never did before, you see. I had this life. I liked it. It had rules. I followed the rules. And that made everything right. And then you come along and you frill everything up. ...strange human with arrogance, stubbornness. Tom. Let me finish. You saw the recording and you didn't say a word. You are like a plague, John Crichton, and you have ruined my life. And yet I just... ...keep coming back.
0: You could talk now. Yeah, and what you can hear there is that there are just, like, a lot of complicated emotions going on here. I love that bit about the plague on my house. Oh, my God. You are like a plague, John Cretton. So good.
1: Yeah, yeah. And she keeps coming back to him. And I think it gets back to that, the very beginning of the show, where he, he barged into her life, upended it. She had this life that she loved, and she really loved it. And then he turned it all upside down, and she could hate him for it, but she doesn't. She loves him for it, and mm-hmm. that's, I think, part of what you're hearing hearing from her here. Yeah. The other thing I, I like about this one is, you know, what when, when you hear there is John throwing the chip away from from them. You know, he says, I'm not your boyfriend or my, your husband, like, and he knows, we kind of come back to this, like he knows that they don't have like an official relationship status for them. Mm-hmm. They have had to establish the relationship talk, and they decided that, Aaron decided that they did not have a relationship. And so he has no say over who she sleeps with. And But I love that he acknowledges that it matters anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, even though they are not technically together and he shouldn't be able to say one way or the other, it still matters. And it's what's driven all of his frustration throughout this episode.
0: Yeah. Well, and her comment about like, why didn't you say anything? I think that that really mm-hmm. gets at kind of this frustration that the one time he's not communicating is the one time it would have prevented a misunderstanding but I don't know that she really would have believed him without seeing the chip because it's so funny when Chris shows her the chip he's like there were some creative editing decisions (laughs) Talon made porn (laughs) like Aaron porn which is I think like the creepiest part because I know we've it's kind of framed as like you know, you frame it kind of as like the kid that sees mom and dad about to get together. And I'm kind of like, there's just something weird about the fact that Talon is an adolescent and he kind of like wants Aaron all to himself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's just something weird about it.
1: Yeah, it's weird. I'm not going to disagree with you. It's weird and yeah. creepy. I think there's complicated emotions on Talon's part, too, you know, because he is connected with Krace, who does have romantic, potentially feelings for aaron mm-hmm. and so how much of that is coloring how to alan sees aaron yeah you know yeah that's i don't true. know it is it's, it's messy it's very messy it's good yeah. though i like that it's messy
0: so this ends with john and aaron kissing and they mac out looking at stars <laughs> can we just touch on the star thing for a minute
1: because it's so romantic yeah. it is like after their conversation John pulls Aaron over to the window with him, and he shows her his notebook. And his notebook, we've only gotten a couple mentions of, and he draw. He, it turns out he's drawing star charts and chronicling his life and stuff. And he points out the stars, and he names his reference point Aaron every single time, saying that she is his constant and his guide. And it's just over-the-head, anvilicious metaphor of love and cheesy romance and I love it. I love it so much.
0: You know, she tells him, she's like, well, they already have names and he's like, yeah, but they're boring names and so then, I don't know, I think what I love about it is that he's not just telling her that but he's inviting her to name stars with him. Like, he's mm-hmm. inviting her into this intimacy that he has or not even that, he's inviting her back to romantic feelings with him because he's essentially saying, you are my constant. And now he's giving her the choice. I would like you to come and do this activity with me that represents my love for you. Right? Yeah. And if she participates in that, then she's also agreeing that she loves him and that they their feelings are mutual. And so, I don't know. I think that's what I love about it is that it feels, I don't know, it feels deserved. It feels good. You know?
1: Mm-hmm. Especially after the turmoil of this episode with Aaron nearly losing him and... Really realizing she needs him and loves him and is willing to give up Talon and all of her relationship with Talon and Grace because John means that much more than any perceived perceived advantage of allying herself with them, mm-hmm. like he is more important to her than the work she is doing, yes, it's kind of an interpretation of it, and I love at the end she also says it might take a long time, and they're in metaphor speaking you know, it might take a long time to name all the stars, but it's going to take a while for me to really be comfortable in this relationship, which is fair. Mm-hmm. And John says, that's okay. You know, then we'll just take our time.
0: Yeah. It was just lovely. So lovely. Yeah. And that's, that's the episode pretty much. Everybody's out of the boudong, John and Aaron are kind of together and no more hand of friendship. Yeah.
1: No more hand of friendship. So what would you give this episode?
0: Oh, I like this one. Um, I think the more we talked, when I was first watching it, it just seemed very straightforward. I mean, initially, we, I only had like us pulling like three or four quotes because the whole episode is so simple. But then the more we've been talking about all the emotional stuff, it really made me like it more. I would almost give it like a 3.54. Like I would mm-hmm. give it on the higher end of the scale. Yeah, you know,
1: I think I'm a 3.54. Also, it's still fairly run of the mill, but the emotional depth to it is really rich.
0: Yeah, yeah. So wardrobe watch, we see Chris, like, like I said, shirtless, like a lot. He spends a lot (laughs) of this episode shirtless. Um, I think everybody else is wearing their normal outfits. Space suits.
1: Except the spacesuits, yeah. Um so when aaron and John go out to do the torpedo thing to anchor them, they're wearing black skin tight spacesuits with like white lines
0: on them that are highly
1: reflective. Yeah, it looks kind of Tron
0: for a while there.
1: <laughs> it really does. It really does.
0: So what do we have next week?
1: We have losing time.
0: Losing time. And I think it takes us back to Moya. Oh, okay. So, join us next week for Losing Time, where we will rejoin Moya. And if you want to get in contact with us, we are Farscape Friday Podcast on Tumblr, DreamWith, and at gmail.com. We are also Farscape Friday at Twitter. So, feel free to comment to us there. What did you think? Is Talon as creepy to you as he is to us? <laughs>
1: and that's our show. And we will see you next time.
0: Bye.